My life is it's dictated around the idea. Just don't get emails. Just don't get emails. Don't have people call you out. Don't have people yell at you in any sort of way. And life's good. And so far, we've been doing a good job of avoiding that. So uh, props to everybody. Handshakes all around. Pats on the back all around. We've all done a good job. Keith goes, oh, boy, he really tries to obliterate the offense around Stefanski. He goes, the offense around Stefanski was so awful. They scrapped all of it, got rid of the two guys Mayfield was expected to win with in Landry and Hooper. Hold on, hold on. Saying we're getting rid of Landry and Hooper as some sort of big indictment on the offense is just not fair at all. Austin Hooper could not play. He was not worth that contract, could not play, and Jarvis Landry just got up there. That's not the indictment that I think you think it is. All right, for more on this, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Cleveland.com's Terry Pluto joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Terry, how are we doing? Thank you for giving us a few minutes. Yeah, well, there, Jonathan. It's, uh, I feel like it's been a little bit since we've talked. It's happy to, I'm just excited to hear your voice. Well, good. I'm glad you got your own show late at night. You could just howl at the moon or whatever you want to do. <laughs> that's actually, that's the that 11 o'clock goes, hour. Yeah. That goes way before you, but Pete Franklin, who was the godfather of Cleveland mm-hmm. Talk way back when, uh, used to have a sports show, how about this, from 8 to midnight, take an hour off, and then do a couple hours overnight, where he definitely did some howling. Oh my gosh! So he would do he would do one hour off in between, and then do he did like six hours, six seven hours total. Yeah, I think it was like four and two. Yeah, and he did <laughs> late at night. It could be really anything. So, so there you go. I actually love that. I'm going to pitch that to Andy Roth. Give me an hour off in between, and then we can keep this thing moving. I don't I don't hate that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there you are, uh, Terry. I was talking a lot about Kevin Stefanski and this offense moving forward for next year. I listen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not as concerned about. Stefanski and Watson, uh, mainly because I think Stefanski's got a – he's like Kyle Shanahan White to me, where I feel like he can work with a multitude of quarterbacks. Why wouldn't it work with the best quarterback that we've ever seen him have? I mean, if you look at what he did with Case Keenum in Minnesota, and then um, I think Kirk Cousins probably had his best year either with Stefanski or just this past season. Uh, and, ba- you know, the last time Baker was good, he was with Stefanski. Mm-hmm. So, and I will argue that Jacoby Brissett, they averaged 24 points a game when he was a quarterback. Um, that was probably his best year. So, as you said, and, there, and those are kind of different style quarterbacks. You should be able to figure this out uh, and see what, see what they do. I'm not, um, you know, some fans and even media people just want them to go out and throw the ball 45 times a game. I, I just think that's crazy. How many times do you want them to throw the ball? Over thirty. Thirty. So you would you would use some, you know thirty. I mean, it depends on the game, but you start throwing more than forty passes. Um, now, sometimes you get in one of those games is fifty-four to forty-eight. I, I get that part, but in a normal game, you start throwing more than forty passes, uh, you are uh, prone to either turnovers, sacks. It just kind of sets yourself up for that, um, and I think that uh, that's not necessary on this team. Yeah, you know, Tom Brady, past couple of years, has led the league in passing. It's like 43 and 44 each mm-hmm. game. So I think, I think 45 is obviously it's a large number. Uh, I, how much of a balance then would you have with Nick Chubb? If you say 30 or so, somewhere around there, somewhere in the 30s, yeah. I assume then that means you want to keep Nick Chubb where he's kind of been at with the Browns yeah. in the previous couple of years. Yeah, just have it, have it at in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want to beat him up. I want him to keep playing. Uh, you know, the, now Brady was – he threw, especially his last few years, so many short passes. I mean, they really were just like runs. Uh, whereas I want to see when, when Deshaun is 
uh, is cooking, not that you're throwing downfield all the time, but a lot more than, well, of course, I'm not really sure what was going on in the last six games with him, but a lot more than maybe we've seen some of the, uh, the other quarterbacks go downfield. So that's, that's what I, I mean, too, you know, that you could throw 40-some passes, but they're all three-yard passes. Well, you know, what is it? Because you know, Brady was doing that, don't hit me, I want to do this, <laughs> and, and take care of it. That's how you play forever. Yeah, and Brady knew that, you know. Brady, yeah. Brady, Brady knew. It's odd, you know. Mahomes actually this last year, Mahomes did the same thing, but he did it to combat the fact that everyone loaded up the backside of the defenses, and he was like, "All right, yeah, I, if you're only going to give me something short, then I'm going to take that." And he obviously ended up producing a lot of big yard, you know, big gains. Uh, but he mm-hmm. also has a guy like Travis Kelsey that can help out with something like that too. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is. I mean, we're talking when you bring Brady, Mahomes, all that. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, this is. Yeah. These are guys that are going in the Hall of Fame and that. You know, Deshaun has to prove um, how close he can come to 2000, 2020 form when he was a pro bowler. And even back then, I'll argue, I never thought he was like this top five quarterback. I thought he was like in the second five, which, of course, is a reason to celebrate here if you get that kind of play. Um, but let's just, let's just see how this goes. But I I want you know I don't want to quote unquote balanced attack, but I just want a reasonable attack. You've got tight ends. You've got I think very interesting receiving core because I'm a big the DPJ fan. Mm-hmm. I think that he'll continue to to mature and do well. You know that Stefanski is like in love with Elijah Moore. He rarely gushes about a player like he has about Moore, who hasn't even played a game yet for the Browns. So I'm fascinated to see that. And of course you've got Cooper. Um, we always talk about the tight ends, which never you, I heard you before about Austin Hooper, but you know Hooper was so robotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys, you know Atkins and and uh, and Najoku, I mean they should be able to do some stuff. So there's a lot there's a lot of variety there, and you know the big thing that I'm excited to see is the defense. What part of the defense? More the defensive line, or just as a whole with Jim mm-hmm. Schwartz? Yeah, just how it plays, how it reacts, how the line impacts everything else. And uh, do they stay away from blown coverages, which for the most part they have, you know, remember he's playing with a lot of backups in those preseason games. I think there was one game I noticed a really bad blown coverage, but that's it. And when I was like down in West Virginia and I watched some of those practices in there, um, there were not a ton of them. Now, of course, I'll probably jinx when the regular season comes, but that, you know, that stuff is just, um, it pollutes the whole team. It's like a, it's like a ninth inning blowout, you know, in the bullpen in baseball. When you're there and it's that fourth quarter, and there's the, how many times do we see the safety and the cornerback pointing at each other? I'm mean, like, come on, guys. <laughs> Terry Pluto joining us here from Cleveland.com. How are you evaluating Kevin Stefanski this year? Well, I see two things. You know, one obviously he has to have a top ten offense. I would say in scoring, uh, with and then that would imply that. Watson's playing, you know, good at quarterback, and he's using his weapons well. But secondly, that there is more of a sense that uh, while he's calling plays in that, that he's got control of the team. Much like in 2020, which he did, by the way. Remember, he called the plays, but there was never any big, as he got his hand on the the wheel here. Uh, I don't know whether it was because they just had better guys on that team or or what it was, um, but you can't have some of the drama and just junk that went on the last two years. Now, part of that could be taken care of 
because uh, Schwartz is, in effect, the head coach of the defense, and I don't think uh, Jadavian Clowney saying, well, I'm only going to play on third downs on second Fridays or whatever. You know, that junk's <laughs> not going to fly there. I, I am still astounded to this day, Jonathan, that that was allowed to go on. Because if Stefanski found out after the game that that was going on, even if he didn't know during the game, um, Clowney should have been suspended for the next game. Yeah, the, how it all went down is very odd to me as well. It, yeah. it, it kind of felt like, it's just my perception of it, is that it, like Stefanski just was so focused on the offensive side of the ball and was like, Joe Woods, you do whatever you need to do on the defensive side of the ball. But then as, as things unraveled and things went down towards the end, Stefanski still just stayed away, and I, I'll never understand yeah, why that was. You can't, you can't have that. And remember, too, how uh, there were some other things. with Miles Garrett was like mm-hmm. sort of doing – this passive aggressive criticism of Woods, and you can say some was accurate or whatever, but you got to have your hand on all that stuff. Uh, that that can't go on. And I remember, I think Delpit was set for a play. Corsair Perry and Winfrey. I had a list. There's like three or four players that were suspended or something on defense, but seemingly always like really late. Uh, and now, you know, Schwartz has a reputation as a defensive uh, coach and as a disciplinarian, as, as one NFL guy told me, he goes, he's sort of a saner version of Greg Williams. You know, we could <laughs> talk about Greg, but remember when Greg Williams took over as head coach, now this is not to say Greg Williams is a great coach forever. He almost cut the penalties in half that mm-hmm. year after Hugh Jackson. Freddie Kitchens looked like a coach. They had organization and they whether they were afraid of him or whatever it was, I don't know. And they went five and three. Yeah. So it shows the power of a strong personality in the right setting. That's a good point. Uh, you know what starts me from last year is a lot that you, you gave me right there. But the record in in games decided by seven points or fewer was two and five. I saw this thing from Warren Sharp earlier. There was thirteen games that they won or then was within a touchdown for the Browns last year. It's an incredible amount of close games. Hey, you know, when we talk about Cade York, we know that the kicker is going to matter at all times, but does it surprise you even within last year and how it went down, just how close the Browns really truly were to having a much better year than let's say what they finished with was seven and nine. It would be interesting to go back and look at some of the really bad years and you'd be surprised how many of the games were close. Um, hmm. And I also know in 2020, it was sort of flipped. They were like seven and three or something like that, that could be something for after I'm done to look at mm-hmm. in close games. Um, now, the analytics people who drive me nuts on some of this will say, well, that's just sort of luck. I don't think so. Uh, I think you win more close games when you play smarter football and you mention the kicker and you don't blow coverages. How's that? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good recipe. Yeah, you, you, you don't blow your coverages. You have a clue of what you want to do in a fourth quarter in offense and your special teams are good. Um, that's, that's a key to winning close games. And in fact, that's almost like having the good bullpen in, in, in baseball. So yeah. um, I, I, I'm looking to get a look for that. I mean, York is the York situation is difficult because he may have as good a leg as any Browns kicker I've ever seen. I mean, just it's kind of like saying he has the best fastball, <laughs> but you know, you got to get it over the plate. That's right. And you got to believe in it. I mean, nobody would ever say Phil Dawson had maybe average leg strength. But, you know, Phil Dawson was one of these guys. He was so mentally tough. 
and just so smart that he he made it work. In fact, he he early in his career had a hard time making field goals for more than fifty, and he kept working at it, working at it, finding ways to do it. Sometimes they barely crawled over the crossbar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and now everyone's got extreme amount of uh, strength and everything, and it seems like a 50-yarder is what a 40-yarder used to be. Yeah, it's a, and you know, Jonathan, the numbers on – I mean, Cade York made 75% of his kicks last year. He ranked 30th out of 33 kickers that mm-hmm. pro football uh, reference called like the regular kickers. Um, that would, that's better than like Don Cockroft for his career. I mean, 25 <laughs> years ago, yeah. that would have been really good. Yeah, uh, But now – how about this? Nine of the kickers, nine of those 33, were above 90%. The average kickers make it about 84%. I mean, this is like, uh, that's why I think we almost expect them to be automatic because a lot of these guys are. And, well, it's up to Kate to show he can do it. But it is really discouraging when you have that game where you, you made the three field goals. By the way, there also was a time right before that mess at the end of the game. They were um, it was fourth down and a couple yards, and they could have brought him in to kick a fifty-yard field goal, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They went for it. Yeah. I'm like, put him in, put him in, let him. He's he's cooking. Let him go. And if he misses, you say, well, he made three, missed from fifty. That happens, you know. But they didn't. And then at the end, that whole fiasco where he missed two in a row. I'm trying to think the last time I've ever ever seen a a, a kicker miss back-to-back like that. I'm sure it's happened, but I don't recall because usually even a sort of a bad kicker when he gets his breath, a second shot at it. That's um, right, yeah. Yeah, he gets it right. Let me ask you, what you make of Joshua Dobbs to Arizona? Is it just about the fact that they someone offered a fifth-round pick and so they're like, okay, we we, we got to take it? Yeah, I put uh, there's some stuff online I wrote about it, what I heard about it. it. It Well, one is the rise of DTR. They love DTR. They think he's ready to be a second-round pick. Uh, they were going to have to because they didn't want him on the practice squad because somebody could pluck him off and take him. So they were going to have to have three quarterbacks on their roster. And I think they'd rather have that roster spot for someone else. DTR, I'll play, I'll play Dobbs. Uh, also, you know, they, I, I'm not sure why. I can't get a good answer. This, this whole piling up the salary cap room, well, this takes $2 million off the cap. Mm-hmm. And with Dobbs, that's what he's another there. So, that's not the only reason, but that's a nice side benefit. And you mentioned the pick. They're, they're also chasing picks, you know, ever since the, uh, the was and trade. So that's, that's what it's, it really is about, you know, DTR. It's not just here that people are fascinated, but nationally he's been getting quite a bit of notice. And they had no intention, by the way, this morning of trading Dobbs. They hadn't had any talks. Arizona called mm. and was very engaged. They're looking at Colt McCoy and they're looking at this kid, Toon, from Houston. And I think they have David Blau. Remember the Browns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In there? yeah. They don't like any of them. So, um, and you know, Kyler Murray is uh, is out. Was coming off an ACL, so he's out for several weeks at least. So they figured um, they'll bring in Dobbs, and uh, and it just made a lot of sense here. I think um, the um, offensive coordinator Drew uh, Petzing. Uh, I hope I said that right. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was the quarterback here quarterback coach here last year, so he knew Dobbs. So he pushed for the deal. Um, and, by the way, Colt McCoy, do you know how old Colt McCoy is? 36, right? Yep, he's 37 on September 5th. Yeah, he's old. He's very old for a quarterback. <laughs> he, he, he snuck yeah, up on but us, but he's been around forever. He's, he's been yeah. around forever. Yeah, yeah he has. 
Uh, Terry, let me ask you about the Guardians really quickly. Uh, would would uh, would Tito be would he be stepping away if the season was going well? I think so. This this last go around uh, physically was hard. It started in Kansas City in the summer. Remember, he missed three games, and they mm-hmm. called it "quote unquote" lightheadedness. Yeah. Well, when he came back, uh, Tito said my blood pressure went through the roof. I was dizzy. He goes, I knew something wasn't right. See, he's already had a heart. It's called heart ablation procedure. He's on blood thinners for his heart condition. That goes back to 2017. Um, So that was a big scare for him. And because, by the way, that could lead to stroke, all kinds of stuff. And then you pile on, you know, two hernias and this shoulder. I, I have had some friends that uh, had the shoulder um, replacement surgery. It's much tougher than a knee replacement. It's a rough one. And he and he's, he's, he's just beat up. Now think about this, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. He missed, I want to say, half of the 2020 season, if not more. He missed 66 games in 2021. Now he went the distance in 22. You know, this year he did miss those few games in Kansas City. And he's 64. You know, as someone who's 68, in fact, that some of that health stuff that I just talked about there, mm-hmm. I was I got it out of him in the interview with a couple of us because I said, "Come on, Tito, man, I'm like 68. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on." He goes, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they got it. They got to fix well the shoulder thing. It's going to be lengthy." And I was just at the doctor today, and I got two hernias, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Jeez. So, and he just said that. Every you know, remember he had a staff infection in twenty one. I mean, he has been through it. He's had more than thirty surgeries in his life. That's incredible. And so now you know, would I try to say we could like put you on the bench and you could come back at mid season, you know, maybe that. <laughs> but I, I think he, he really I did ask him about do you feel bad because he's mentioned it before about the coaches doing what he considers too much work for him, and he he just said that he just feels that that's not right. And, uh, you know, he's got a very strong moral streak to him of what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why he came to Cleveland to begin with, because he talked about being pure baseball, even though the budget wasn't as good. It's why he stayed – I mean, he – he he doesn't even have an agent. He's got this buddy of his as a lawyer. He just sits down and cuts a deal with these guys. I mean, Antonetti and Chernoff tell this thing about last year at Kansas City, he's eating a ham sandwich on top of his laptop and they're talking about a computer. And, <laughs> and Chernoff said, well, I'm telling him, no, you need to really have that in the contract. You, know, you put it in there, you know. Oh, okay. I mean, he just – we'll never see anything like this again here. The whole package of – an experienced manager who did it at the big biggest stage in Boston comes here, stays a decade, delivers all these winning teams with a very tight budget. There's no garbage, you know, my other Browns, the infamous internal discord. You don't get that garbage here. I'm, and you know, at times they had to have been upset with each other, and they're human. And the ability to handle the media, the players, um, it's remarkable. Terry, thank you so much for being generous with your time, as always. Uh, we'll read you over at cleveland.com and, of course, your latest with the trade uh, to Arizona involving the Browns with Joshua Dobbs. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate you. Everywhere. Back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. I just had this conversation with my wife. We were talking about how I'm going to try – I'm trying to eat better, right? I've done four straight days now of, like, dinner is, uh, you know – 
grilled chicken. We're having broccoli with cheese off to the side. We're trying to I'm, – I'm going to make it work. I was on a salad kick like a couple weeks ago, and the salad kick is not for me. I've never been a salad guy. It's not who I am. But I have at certain points in my life gone on long stretches of eating chicken every night. I know I can do chicken. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I was talking with my wife. My wife, she came to the realization. She's like, you know, maybe I enable you a little bit too much. And I'm like, maybe you do. I don't, maybe you do. It's like, yeah, I, you know, like we'll have ice cream or something and I'll just, you weren't interested in ice cream, but then I'll, I'll throw it out there and then you'll eat ice cream. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. And I'm like, well, you're not the problem. Uh, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you are part. I spiral is the point. Okay. I spiral. If I have one bad thing, then it's like a week of just nonstop bad things. I could be eating great. And then one bad thing just sets me off. And then I'm just, uh. I'm like, hey, where's the Sour Patch Kids? Where's all the candy? Where's all the ice cream? Where's everything that isn't the greatest for me but tastes awesome? And then Jax. Jax is over here. I'm in four straight days of doing great. My wife is not asking if I want anything bad or anything uh, on top of me being good. And and Jax is over here like, I got one last Buckeye just sitting here. You, you want it? It's such a nice ask of you, by the way. Like, it's so considerate. It's so nice. You had no idea that I'm dieting, even though I'm like constantly always like, am I dieting? Am I not dieting? But I can't do it, man. I can't do it. And if we're being honest, you're going to have to eat that Buckeye at some point very, very shortly. Or in like an hour from now when I when I got a little headache going on and I'm, I'm feeling a little like, oh, man, I don't know if I loved the last three minutes that we did. I might ask you for the Buckeye. So we got to dispose of that. I just had two of them, so I don't know. I don't really want the well, other take one, one for the team, Jax. <laughs> it's a team sport here, maybe, okay? Maybe I'll ask Mackenzie. Yeah, do your part. Maybe Mackenzie will take it off your hands. That'll be nice. I don't know. Anyway, a lot of good stuff there with Terry. I always love having Terry on. He was so good. Uh, a couple of things that stood out to me. Uh, we'll have to touch on the Arizona side of things. We will later on touch on that Arizona side of things because he confirmed for me in the Josh Dobbs trade what I believe to be true and what I told you guys in the first segment. That'll wait for another moment. The Tito stuff is fascinating. Now, I don't know many people that are as plugged in with Terry Francona as Terry Pluto is. Absolutely. Fa- I just, I have a hard time believing that given the same situation, Francona would step away. Terry makes some good points there. You got to go back to the health issues. You got to go back to everything he's been dealing with, everything that he has gone through. Maybe it really was the time. Now, I just, I wonder. I wonder to myself if uh, if Tito really could give up the golden ticket, so to speak. You know, he never won a title here. He won in Boston. He never won the title here. He went in 2016 to the World Series, as we all know. And honestly, we're talking about the previous, I don't know, six years of Cleveland baseball. From 2017 on, he just had the one postseason series win, and that was last year. There was a lot of Terry Francona that is Hall of Fame worthy. There is a lot of Terry Francona that is very memorable. But in Cleveland, he never won a World Series. If this team had taken the steps forward from last year to this year, and let's say Jimenez was another seven-win player and that $100 million deal was looking like a steal, let's say, I don't know, Oscar Gonzalez followed up last year with another awesome year, all the guys we're talking about, the one-hit wonders, Stephen Kwan, all these type of guys, if they were awesome this year, the team was running away with the Central, the team made a deep postseason run, could he give it up? I don't think he could. I respect what Terry Pluto, our friend, had to say because he would know better than I would, and we all know that to be true. I just I have a hard time thinking that that would be the reality for Terry Francona. 
Because I think the one thing that escapes him from being, and he's all-time, he's legendary, he's everything here for Cleveland baseball. There is no denying that. We have given him his credit. We are throwing him his flowers, all of it. The one thing that's denied him from being on the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland sports is that title. And I hate to do Mount Rushmore with you guys. This isn't an episode of Pardon My Take. Although, at times, maybe we wish it was, you know? But, like, I remember I was, on, I was on with Amy Lawrence and CBS Sports Radio very recently, and she asked me, she said, who's your Mount Rushmore Cleveland sports? I don't know why she asked me that question. This was off the air. I don't, think, I don't think this was on the air. When you go on with Amy, the fun thing about going on with Amy is that she asks you, like, you do, like, a 10-minute interview before you do the actual interview itself. She just wants to see how the family's doing. She wants to talk to you and have a like, – she's just a very nice human, right? And she just wants to have, like, real personable conversations with you. And so you do, and you're like, listen, Amy, it's really late at night. Like, I got to be going to bed. But you don't say that to her because, again, you know, we, we're, we're colleagues. We're colleagues over there at CBS Sports Radio. We got to keep in, uh, in good graces. And so I, I don't remember if it was on the air or off the air. You'd have to go back and listen to it. But she asked me, she's like, so who's on the, the, the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland sports? Because we were talking about Joe Thomas. And I was like, well, Joe Thomas should be there. I think Jim Brown's there. I think Joe Thomas is there. LeBron's there. I think that's a very good three to start. And I think you got to throw somebody in there for the Guardians. And I said Terry Francona. I said at first maybe Bob Feller, but let's go a little bit more recent than that. And let's say Terry Francona is the guy. If Tito had won a World Series, it would be unquestioned who is on that list. It would not be – you wouldn't have to worry about it. But he didn't pull that off. And I do wonder – if he was given a team that had a real chance, a deep postseason chance, I do wonder if he would have walked away. I wonder if he would have stayed or walked away. I think it would have been incredibly hard to be given a golden ticket and then walk away. But his health, you know, his health is one of a kind. He's had to leave multiple times. Had that instance earlier in the year. Had that instance in 2020 that uh, Terry Pluto talked about where he missed half the season. How am I supposed to tell somebody what they can and cannot do from a health perspective? If you're not healthy enough, it doesn't matter if you have the 27 Yankees on the field. Even if that is the one thing that Tito really missed out of this Guardians tenure that he had. And let's be honest, I don't think many people are going to hold that against him. So Zach Meisel was on earlier today, and I did not hear this clip. I, I was aware of this clip. I was told this clip was good. But I don't know what he says in this clip. I need to make that abundantly clear. I do not know because I don't want to just say I'm going to play this clip because it contradicts what Terry Pluto had to say. I don't know that at all. But this was what Zach Meisel had to say about Tito. Here we go. That's a gr- it's a great question because I don't think it's possible to answer. I don't think he could answer that either. You know, there, there's health stuff that's legitimate, right? But there was health stuff last year too. I mean, it was a grind for him. And he... I know he said yesterday that like he's never really been to this point, and I think what he meant was he's never really been to the point where he's he's accepted that this is probably it. But last year he he did admit that he was pondering like what might the future look like, and he wasn't sure exactly how soon that would be. But it was the first time that he had ever even crossed that bridge. So, um, you know, if if they were in first place and charging toward a playoff spot, like I, it's a good question. You know, maybe maybe those those physical ailments aren't front of mind if your daily just disposition is more positive. And they've just had, you know, it's, it's not even just like it's been a lousy season. There's just been like, it's been a lot of difficult challenges thrown in their way, you know, with injuries and trying to figure out how to get guys going offensively and just the bullpen meltdowns. And it's like, he's been 
constantly trying to put out fires all year, the trade deadline, the unhappiness in the clubhouse after that. So I think it's just, I think it's worn on him doubly. And I think that's why we've reached the point we've reached now. All right, leave that there. But come on back. I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. Lamar or Deshaun Watson? Who's got more to prove this season? 216-474-0092. We got the fan focus at 9, off the beaten path at 940. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. Hey, I'm going to be like Bart Simpson at the chalkboard here. I'm just I'm just going to have to repeat it to myself. I will not fall for Kenny Pickett being good in the preseason. Repeat that again, and we'll do it a million times over. I will not fall for Kenny Pickett being good in the preseason. Kenny Pickett, 4 for 4 tonight, 86 yards, and an absolute dime of a throw that has Twitter up in a blaze in arms over the fact that they think Kenny Pickett might actually be good. I, guys, I don't care. I do not Tell me what baby hands does in the regular season, and then I'll answer, and, and we can have a real conversation about it. All these Steelers fans like, oh, but you didn't see the end of games last year when Tomlin let him loose. What did he throw, like seven? Did he throw even – I don't even know they had seven touchdowns last year. Was it Was it seven touchdowns on the money? Seven touchdowns, nine picks. Nine, nine picks? Yeah. I knew it was like seven and nine or maybe five, seven. Seven, nine was one of my favorite poker hands growing up, oddly enough. I liked seven and nine. We called that one the Ronson. Back when, you know, everyone my age used to actually play poker. Though, like the Chris Moneymaker, Phil Ivey years. Now, people that are Jax's age look at people that play cards like you have to be a certain age to even do so. It's not cool anymore. Not true. We play poker often. You play poker? I I go and watch, but my friends play poker a lot. That's I, that's not, really nice to hear. Yeah. I really thought that it, people would just kind of – I thought that was a my generation thing. I'm 34 years old, and I really thought – because my generation – Man, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the worst old person in the world because I already do a back in my day, and I I'm 34 years old. But my generation, uh, back in my day, we legitimately did just we played cards all through my teenage years. That's what you did, and you watched Norman Chad with the World Series of Poker, and you ate it up. But I felt like no one, I maybe I had the wrong impression on this. I I, I thought no one played cards anymore. That's good to hear. I don't know that I'm gonna play cards. <laughs> But yeah, that used to be one of my favorite hands. I had a couple favorite hands. I seven nine was one of my favorites. I always liked ten jack suited as well. But I'm talking like hands that you wouldn't normally play, but like just for whatever reason just spoke to you. Seven nine was one of them. So that should be easy for me with Kenny Pickett and those baby hands. Seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. All these Steelers fans just want to come out and continue to tell me how Mike Tomlin was holding them back and he's going to be this. Here's what I think's the reality. I think it's more Pickens and Deontay Johnson and the receivers than it is Kenny Pickett. Let's dance with this one for a second. Uh, We'll get to the Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson thing a little bit later on, but I'm hot on this, so play with me for a second. Wide receivers right now in the NFL are so incredibly talented. I do think we're hitting a point where the wide receivers can make a quarterback that much better than we've ever seen them be before. I think they're so talented. I think there's never been a, a, a more talented time in the NFL to be and, and to have. Let me put this the right way. Excuse me. If I could speak like a real broadcaster for a second. I don't think there is a more prolific time in the NFL for wide receivers than what we're experiencing right now. Look across the league. Everyone's got 
a premier wide receiver on teams that we actually consider to be good. You all have somebody. Amari Cooper is a walking 1,100 yards with nine touchdowns, and people act like he is dog doo-doo. It's incredible to me. The amount of disrespect Amari Cooper gets across the league, as shorthanded as it gets, as reliable as you can make a football player, and people act like he's yesterday's news for some reason. Never made sense to me. That's how good wide receivers are right now. I think the NFL.com, they did a ranking of wide receivers. Amari Cooper was like 16th or 17th in the NFL. 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. He's 16th or 17th. That's how good these guys are these days. And I think Pickens is phenomenal. I think Deontay Johnson is phenomenal. I, I mean, even going one through three there. They just have a boatload of talent and a boatload of wide receivers and, and skill position players that I really do think are going to carry Kenny Pickett further than Kenny Pickett could ever even realize. I wondered this. And these, if I'm going to say the quiet part out loud, let's just take the gun out of the holster and let's do this thing. I've wondered this with Joe Burrow. We're never going to get an answer on it. Now, we're going to get an answer somewhat. I shouldn't say never. We're never going to get an answer as it pertains to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is going to be signed with Joe Burrow for as long as the two of them. They'll be lockstep, Okay. That's going to be two peas in a pod. They're going to be the face of Cincinnati for the next decade. They're going to grow old together. They're going to go into the Ring of Honor together. They're going to retire together. They're going to go to Canton together. All these great things they're going to do together, okay? Not a doubt in my mind when it comes to uh, the two of them being tied at the hip. T. Higgins is gone after this year. There's no way that they can keep him. Now, the bets that Cincinnati is making, the bet that they're making is the fact that they think We're going to win a Super Bowl with T. Higgins, and he's going to be the difference. And that's why we're receiving nothing in compensation for him. Think about what Cincinnati's telling the rest of the football world, though, and what they told him this offseason. Like, T. Higgins legitimately should have been traded. Should have been traded. Should have gotten compensation. He's entering the final year of his contract. Should have gotten compensation. Should have gotten, you either extend him or you trade him, right? And they're not going to be able to extend him because they got to pay Burrow and they got to back up the Brinks truck uh, for Jamar Chase. They're just not going to be able to afford everyone in the room, right? They're going to let him walk after this season and receive absolutely nothing in return. But the bet that they're making and the bet that they're willing to make is that he matters so much to Joe Burrow and so much to Joe Burrow's success that it was worth it for them this year to take nothing back in return. If they were to trade T. Higgins in the offseason, he would have got a first-round pick. Easily, first-round pick. I know the Bears were rumored at one point. But I'm I'm speaking about the talent of wide receivers that are across the NFL right now. And Kenny Pickett looking great tonight. That's fine. Kenny Pickett can look as good as he wants. Again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been a... Uh, he's put up Patrick Mahomes S numbers in the preseason. We just talked about Josh Dobbs. We did a lot with Josh Dobbs earlier. Josh Dobbs, two years ago in the preseason, had better passer rating numbers than Patrick Mahomes has throughout his entire career. Now, yes, it's a tiny sample size, and you're playing against backups, but that's the point. Anyone can look good in the preseason. I don't think this means Kenny Pickett is all of a sudden something to be scared of. But I do wonder, as it pertains to a certain number of quarterbacks, what their weapons are, how much that impacts whether or not we perceive them to be as good as they are. Now, Justin Herbert, 
It's had a load of different weapons. And they added another one in Quentin Johnson, the kid out of TCU. They just keep adding. Now, he's had injuries to some of those guys. And Mike Williams was, listen, I know the Staley are all here in Northeast Ohio. You want to yell at your brother over uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, yell at him for leaving Mike Williams in the game last year and getting him injured in a point where he didn't need to be injured. There's a lot of different things within the Chargers I can yell about. But the Chargers have good skill position players, and it makes Justin Herbert a better quarterback. I think he's going to have a fantastic year with the amount of wide receivers they have and the talent they have. I've given Josh Allen a lot of credit. I, I've given him a lot of hate, but I've given him a lot of credit. He's done it with, and I say this with all due respect, he's done it with just Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis ain't it. Just Stephon Diggs. Patrick Mahomes, what made him so impressive is that not only does he have one of the greatest tight ends of all time in my estimation, but for the longest time it was that mixed with one of the top two wide receivers in the game, and then they send one of those guys and Tyreek Hill off to Miami, and he's still able to do it at a high level. It's like, okay, all right, Pat, we see what you're doing. Not every quarterback can do that. Not every quarterback can do that. So I think what's happening right now in Pittsburgh is more of a product of those wide receivers than it is Kenny Pickett being all world and Kenny Pickett being amazing. I maybe I'm going to end up being wrong and I'll eat crow if I am. I just I don't see Kenny Pickett being the absolute goods. So it's a nice throw. It's a nice throw in a preseason game. You know who's supposed to make nice throws in preseason games? Literally every quarterback on planet Earth makes nice throws in preseason games. Makes nice throws in real games, too. Sean Watson had 58% completion percentage, and we all agreed collectively he looked like dog doo-doo last year in six games. He, he still had that Washington game. He still had moments where you're like, oh, that was a really nice throw. Every quarterback has really nice throws. What makes a really good quarterback these days are the QBs that consistently make great throws, and they do it over and over and over again. God bless you. All right, this training camp report powered by Classic Ford and Classic Chevy and Menor. We're going to get to Lamar Jackson v. Deshaun Watson coming up at 920. We got the fan focus coming up at 9 o'clock. I did briefly want to mention for our, our training camp report what uh, Terry Pluto had said, and he basically just confirmed for us. Odyssey Rewind, go back and listen to that. That was at the 8 o'clock hour. He confirmed for us, though, that Within this trade and Joshua Dobbs ending up in Arizona today for a fifth-round pick in return, the Cardinals did call the Browns. I had speculated as such earlier because I believed it. It was the only way it could have gone down when they send Cowan Mond to waivers. They didn't see this coming. They, this was not in their plans. But I liked that they were able to move off their plans. They were ready to start this season with Josh Dobbs as the backup. Let's not forget that, and let's not, as the season moves on, if DTR ends up having any sort of time in play, or any even, like, let's say uh, Deshaun gets injured for a quarter, and he's just out for a little stretch there, and DTR is to come in, let's remember this. Let's remember what they gave up for the fifth-round pick. I don't hate the move. I'm just saying let's remember it. And this training camp report powered by Lake Tech Information Technology Services and Bud Light. 